welcome to the Amala Tierra uh, podcast launch party. It's incredible to see so many faces here, um, especially in this absolutely gorgeous space. Um, so thank you so, so much. Feels kind of amazing to finally been launching um, this podcast because it's been more than a year in the making and uh, it's not just me it's also Gabrielle Gambina from Ibiza Produce who's currently <laughs> making some food in the kitchen that we're going to be experiencing a little bit later on so firstly as I said a huge thank you none of this would have been possible without all of you being here this evening and joining us for a, a fundraiser so thank you again for coming and buying a ticket and being here this evening um, some of you have also been incredibly generous and also sponsored the podcast and we're very grateful for that as well so we want to say a huge thank you and also to our drink sponsors who are also very generously donating tonight we've got gold tooth vermouth that you're probably sipping or have had a little sip of at some point this evening um, we have um, a donation from vino and co based near saroca you've probably been there at some point rosa was very kind enough to generate some uh, bottles for us this evening of natural wine and we also have some wine from um, mr peter Lehner of Black Nose Wines, who those grapes are actually grown biodynamically just up the road in San Juan. So you'll be tasting a few lovely tipples this evening. But first of all, I want to extend a warm welcome to our three very special guests and here on our podcast panel. Um, first up, we have the wonderful Mr. Yuri. I'm sure many of you know him. He's the fine farmer here at Can Christoffel. And um, nobody works harder than Yuri. Um, <laughs> he's, um, he's been a busy boy and you will be experiencing the fruits of his labour a little bit later on on your dinner plate. So I'm very excited to share that with you. Um, please give him a warm welcome, a warm hand. There's still time. <laughs> Second of all, we are joined by Milan born and bred Roberta Contaldo, who I like to call the Italian horse whisperer. Some of you might have heard me call him that before. But Roberto is the man who set up Equitracion, a regenerative farming practice that uses animals rather than machines to work with the land. Welcome to Roberto. Please give him a warm hand. And last, but by no means least, we have Mr. Borja Kami, who is an agronomist um, with more than 15 years experience. Uh, he's also a consultant in organic vegetable crops, has worked with farmers from the traditional systems and also new farmers as well. Um, Borgia is trained in many courses and has a master's in organic agriculture and currently works in projects here on the island in Mallorca and also in Catalonia. Um, and he works from everything from small farms to medium sized to very large uh, scale farms as well. So he's got lots of experience. Please welcome Mr. Borja Kami. So I don't know if any of you have actually listened to episode one of Amal Tierra. Raise your hands, we want a show. <laughs> Oh, thank you if you have listened to it already that's very very lovely um, to see one lady specifically I think actually heard the episode and, and joined us on that basis so that's wonderful to know that this um, storyline is kind of um, getting out there in some format it means a lot to me if you've heard the episode I really wanted to start with somebody from Ibiza um, obviously we had Vicente Palamet who is a traditional Ebithenko farmer born and bred on the island and he told us that 
he kind of followed in his grandparents' footsteps, which I found incredibly beautiful. Um, obviously been farming for, for many, many years. And I think from experiencing that interview firsthand, a lot of like big picture questions started to come up for me. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I hired them to do that. So um, what I felt was quite important to talk about um, off the back of those interviews <laughs> exactly um, was <laughs> whether tilling is you know like a tradition that has been going along that has been in the culture here for hundreds of years which is kind of a, a lot of the conversations that I've heard through attending the Ibiza Produce Regenerative Agriculture meetings <laughs> and and that's a very interesting angle um, and I think a lot of people also say, you know, the tilling of the land happens because machinery was introduced, you know, 50 years ago and obviously it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot easier um, and it takes a lot less time and there's much more production that comes from that. So I know nothing about farming, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert, that's why these um, lovely gentlemen are joining me, um, but I just wanted to talk about that. Um, in our first gathering here as a, as a community. Um, so I think let's begin with Borgia. Um, can you just maybe explain to begin with, maybe there's a lot of people here that aren't farmers. What is tilling and how does that impact the structure of the soil? Um, it's a good question. Like this, it's, it's hearable, right, for the recording. So um, tilling, it, it's a way of preparing the soil. It's a way of, of preparing the soil and, and making it uh, more easy to cultivate. It's a way of, uh, from a compact soil, making it loose in many different ways, uh, uh, with different purposes, of course. But simply, it would be a way of making the soil uh, cultivable. And uh, how it impacts the structure, it has a lot to mean with uh, the way we do it. If we do it with big machines, medium-scale machines, manually. We can till many ways. Mm. But basically, it's a way of preparing the bed of, of, for the crop. Mm -hmm. And what's your experience personally with it as a farmer? How do you, do you use it in your work? What do you what do you see? Of course, I mean in in actual agriculture, it's based more or less on on tilling, mm -hmm. and um, tilling. I mean we need to do it because or it's 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 been done, and and it's done still because it's it's a productive way to make the soil put the oxygen, put the temperature, and. Uh, the tilling it doesn't give a structure to the soil. The machines just break the soil and open the soil, can open more uh, gently or more aggressively, can, can, can go the soil to the powder or more or make the soil less, uh, less powder and more structured. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean it's a very known practice for the farmers and despite this rivality of till or no till, thing most of the farmers should know how to till, how to till and understand what we are doing with our soil. It's not, and not to take the revenge straight to go to no-till. At least for to arriving to the no-tilling, that's probably one of the challenges. We need to know how to how to how our soil is working with the tilling. Mm. And. Roberto, uh -huh. uh, what's your experience of, of working with tilling? I know that obviously you have a very different perspective from mm. your work with, with horses. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit more about your opinion of, of how you feel tilling done in mm. the way that you do it um, works tilling for the soil? Is, 
Laboreo. Laboreo. <laughs> so I was, I'm more comfortable to speak in Spanish and uh, my friend Borja can translate me. The thing is about um, the Laboreo uh, with the horses and it's not that the horses work the Laboreo. Is the is the apero is the is the system then the horses pull then work the, the land. So mm, we have to say few things about this. Um, the power of the horses is not that strong uh, compared to no tanto fuerte como un tractor. Let's see. Uh, the thing um, with farming with horses is that uh, it's not the horses that do the work, but the farming tools. Uh, that is the system. Those uh, the horses pull the work. Um, those the horses pull to work the land. But we have to say a few things about that. Uh, the power of a horse is not comparable to the power of a tractor, so the speed is lower. Normally we use tools that don't go deep into the ground. We work uh, the first between 10 and 15, uh, 20 centimeters, okay? And uh, when the animals walk, it doesn't have wheels. And the most important thing that happens is that it doesn't compact the ground because, uh, because each step is different. Um, while the tractor obviously um, has a heavy wheel, obviously you have to constantly work the ground while the animal varies its pace. But of course, uh, the earth is not compacted uh, as with the machine. This is one thing. I could go a long way explaining that working with animals, which is in my case uh, horses and mules, is much more precise. Um, it has a higher precision than um, with machines. And although at a lower speed compared to working with a motorhome. We can even say that, for example, in vineyards work, the way of working around the world is growing towards farming with animals. It has been scientifically proven that uh, with a series of tests that the production of the vineyard is 30% more. In other words, we have an increase in the growth of production of the plant. One of the most important motivations is given by an energy issue. Energy, what happens? We are all made of 80%, uh, 85% of water. Just like the horse uh, body is made up of water and uh, so is the plant. And the earth is water. So the issue is this. Um, when we deal with an animal, it's usually done in silence, okay? In other words, uh, there is much higher act of concentration. Then you work in silence near the plant, and a Japanese study uh, shows uh, many years ago that the rumor of the tractor creates a shock. This shock creates a barrier within the water coat, and it has been proved. Well, then we can be silent farmers. We can also work manually. 
then nothing happens. But uh, when working with animals, the farmer needs uh, more concentration since he has to know how to handle a living being that is often uh, unpredictable. So the person who is leading the animal needs a much higher level of attention. The difference with a tractor and, and the driver, many times it has been seen that uh, the tractor driver enters the tractor, turns the key and suddenly is on top of a machine with superpowers. So we come to the conclusion, conclusion so we come to the conclusion that we have created a somewhat egocentric world. Clearly, if we create such a powerful environment, uh, well, we do not respect a series of rules to care for the living beings that surround us, we, which are plants uh, and their growth and their cultivation. We forget that we are working uh, also with living beings, and it is these living beings that we managed uh, for cultivation that generate uh, the most important thing in our lives, which is food. So going back to the issue of water, by developing a good job done with animals or by hand, we can develop uh, healthier products. It's not so much because of the production technique, which is very, very important. It is very important. That is why today agronomists uh, study the type of philosophy that we use in our system, in our steps. That is why the world uh, of the horse, the world uh, of the equine, in my case, has made me think that the equine is uh, very difficult to manage because it is an opposite animal, uh, opposite than the human being, okay? Well, I want to pay attention more than anything is that having to manage an animal, such an equine, to do this type of work, that is, uh, it leads the man who is working to get to know the animal. Um, the animal will teach you, and that gives you a better sensitivity, a greater sensitivity at work, and adds a lot of value to the product. <laughs> Shall we see your perspective as well before we, uh, before we move on? I mean, I mean, obviously I know that, you know, the, the kind of work you do here is by hand, but can you tell us a little bit more <coughs> about your experience of, of tilling here and, and how you feel about it and the kind of work that you specifically do here at Can Christoffel? Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of things, they, um, they touch in what Roberto was saying. And thank you for that. I'm really deeply touched, especially uh, the sensibility with the animals that bring you there when you, before you do the work. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I mean, I'm, you call me the hardest working man <laughs> before and there is moments when I, you know, I come and go do this and that, but the moment when I start to plow, Dean knows it also, the rest falls away and it's a very intimate place, you know, you're there with the, when you don't use machinery, you know, you have your own sweat, you have your own heartbeat, you listen to birds. Um, when I started here four years ago with making the beds, um, then in the beginning it was okay, one bed was potato, the other one was uh, uh, tomato or cucumber, like it was very clean, uh, almost no weeds, Borja knows very well. 
And because I'm plowing with the hand, there is a lot of things that come up spontaneously. Some wild, some because I planted the year before, the seeds are dropped. And if you go out now, there's so much variety. And a lot of the variety is because I do with the hand and the intimate relationship. Because in, in the end, we are responding to living processes. That's the soil, that's the plants that grow out of it. And it's also the plants that we put back into the soil that again nurtures uh, life within the soil and the life that comes out, you know, this whole cycle. And I could only do that because I do with the hand, because I, I see some little seedling, like maybe a few millimeters, I recognize it and I leave it there. If I go with big machines, I could never do that because you just go through. And what Roberto, even though with a horse, you know, is, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not as strong, I'm strong, but not as strong as a horse. So in that way, I guess that in his, his way of doing with the animals, it's still there's more force behind it, but yet then there is such a beautiful animal as the horse that makes you really sensitive to where you are and what you do, which I find incredible. And it's the first time I hear you speak about, so I really want to, again, uh, share my appreciation for that. Um, so I, I think that's the, one of the, uh, the beautiful things of working with the hand. I mean, I've had many nights with Borgia talking about this. Uh, he was a big part in solving the Alcachofa problem uh, within Spain, why they're not so vigorous anymore as 50 years ago. And, and one of the main things that he came to the conclusion with is that people don't select with the hand anymore. It's all done industrial, uh, industrially and with the machine. So we lose that contact, that direct relationship with the soil and with the plants. Mm -hmm. So for me to work with the hand, I mean, despite that you can, I think, do the work better. You're more involved, you're more connected, uh, and it starts to communicate with you. Uh, also, I have more sense of, uh, I don't know, it's just also like a, a quiet place. There's a sense of yeah. belonging, you know, you hear the birds, I don't know, it's, it's, it's all these things. Mm -hmm. And I feel that in that way, uh, and it maybe it's a bit abstract, but the la when, you, when you're on the land with yourself, you know, and it starts to communicate and you start to see things that normally you don't notice, you meet also yourself there. So it's not only plants you grow, you also grow as a human being. And I think, I feel, but maybe I'm wrong, that's a lot harder to do when you use a lot of machines and you do a lot of monoculture and a lot of big crops. Mm -hmm. It's really about developing this intimate relationship, which also can be done <coughs> with machinery. I'm not saying it's either or, but I think it's more difficult. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think there's a lot of different perspectives there. I think it's very interesting about this idea of the sensitivity to the land that comes obviously without machinery because Roberto is on our second episode as well and I've just been editing that interview and I, and I really enjoyed what you were saying specifically about when you're in a tractor you know you've got your air conditioning on you've got the sound of the motor you're very disconnected from the land you're in your own little world maybe you're even listening to music and obviously from what you've just described that's a very different um idea to the to the two ways that that, that you guys work um so i think that's a very interesting thing to think about um obviously not being able to physically witness everything that's happening in the structure um of the soil and i think you also brought up a very interesting point about um, water obviously mm. us being 85% and I think one of the guys that's on our next episode also is a key line designer mm -hmm. and that's a very big subject I think to do with with tilling in the soil because obviously once you interfere with the structure you know it kind of comes together in a very different way that doesn't absorb water and obviously with 
the lack of water on an island like this one. I wonder, you know, whether obviously using machinery and disrupting the surface, particularly um, in a way that Vicente talks about um, traditionally, um, right before the summer, people like to see this beautiful red earth of Ibiza that looks, you know, pristine and clean and clear. And, you know, we can all appreciate that as we drive around the Gampo. Um, but ultimately that's taking away um, this kind of matter that exists on the top of it and then the sun comes down this tends to happen just before the summer and hard packs it and completely you know changes um, the entirety of, it, of its surface so I think it's it's super interesting what you say about that I mean specifically related to, to water how do you feel um, Borgia we'll start with you you're number one <laughs> I feel like Scylla Black actually <laughs> very British joke sorry about that um, number one what um, you know what do you feel um, perhaps working in the way um, that you've described you know in, in specifically with regard to the water how does that sort of change the way that the earth is able to respond to um, to being irrigated I mean the, the structure of the soil keeping a good structure of the soil is one of the major goals even the, or the major threatens in agriculture for the soil to keep a soil in a good structure is, is very difficult actually um, and the structure is totally connected with the water retention of the soil a soil that is not structured if, if a big rain comes you know I mean the soil the soil flashes and we lose the soil just just uh, this week I came from Mallorca in Purreras in a, in a plowed, in a traditionally plowed apricot plantation. That are actually, the apricots are excellent. Are one of the most delicious I've tried. Yeah. With a 300 liter per square meter rain in 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 very in very short time, flash 20 centimeter of soil. So I mean, this thing is happening, and it's happening to to the most beloved organic and traditional farmer doing this delicious food. Uh, so how we till and how the water retention is is uh, is very important and the tillage can easily destroy the structure i'm insisting uh before i, I said it the machinery doesn't create the structure it just you, you asked me what, what it was what, what it was about tilling i say the tilling is a way of opening the soil and making the bed of of, uh, of planting <coughs> but making the soil loose with the machine is not making a structure and this doesn't help to hold the water the structure creates with organic matter, with the roots, with the plants. Probably and always the, the, the solution is in the plants, how we use the plants, how we mix, how we keep the roots, how we, how we use the straw, or also in a, in a faster way we can introduce organic matter and compost and so on. So the structure is, ba is, is very fundamental to, keep the, to hold the water and the flow of the water. There is many tables, scientific uh, um, data and so on, that shows the, the increase of carbon, means the increase of organic matter, and it increases the deposit of holding water of the soil. So, I mean, there is a clear relation, relationship about it. And of course, the aggressive tilling goes, I mean, we can lose the water vertically or, or horizontally. Yes. But the, not only the, the gentle tilling, but the gentle practices that uh, keeps the soil more, more, more gentle and more organically is, is, is for the major water holding capacity. Mm -hmm. And releasing. 
Exactly. Hold, hold and release. I mean, the structure of the soil, thank you, Yuri. The structure of the soil is, is very important that, that we can have a good flow of water, <coughs> air, and temperature. Actually, water and air, it, it is like the yin-yang, is one or the other. So the flowing of air and water into the soil is, 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 the, is the most important nutrients of the plants. It is air and water. I mean, the NPK and, and, and so on. Of course, they are important, but how the, the, the water and air flowing in the soil, it, it is probably one of the most important things. And the structure of the soil, is, is, is it will make it function or not. Mm. Roberto, anything to say about the, the flow of water when you perhaps you know, use animals rather than machinery? That is a good question because uh, it is an issue when you work with animals. When working with a uh, motor traction, um, when working with animals, it is necessary, for example, to have rainwater, okay? And we have to find the point of temperament of the soil. This is very important, uh, the moment of penetrating the earth in reference to the rainwater or the water that we used uh, with an irrigation system, for example. This moment uh, is fundamental, which is why we use a hoe a lot. A hoe is a very simple tool, but it is the best one to test the soil and to know when you have to work. Normally I do several tests at uh, various points because many times we want to work on a farm, work with a crop in a certain soil, and one part is in a certain con condition and another in a different condition. That is why I do several tests to find out exactly how to work, how, how to work the land and in a certain place. We've touched the matter with the water. Water is essential to be able to work with a natural system. Why am I saying this? I say this because many times the world we live in is in a hurry. It wants everything fast, everything fast. So many, many companies, uh, many farmers are a little pressured by that rush by that need to cultivate in any condition because it is necessary to produce. So working with animals uh, forces you to be a little more attentive to rainfall time. Clearly one says, well, uh, we cannot wait for rainfall to feed everyone because if there is no rain, there is desertification. But the issue is this. If we wait with a good attitude, as the ancients did, with an attitude of waiting and calling for water to sow, um, it seems very ridiculous. But it is an attitude that gives um, the possibility of putting less pollution in the environment. So if we put less pollution in the environment, the rain will come uh, automatically. Substantially, it is always an act of consciousness. If we all people align with this awareness, I am convinced that the rain will always come. There is no problem.
That was the question, right, about rain and work? Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's beautiful to hear. And Yuri, what's you know your experience again? I mean, obviously you're doing things extremely differently uh, again. And and how do you you know notice the absorption after you after you you know turn the soil by hand? How does it look? What how does it affect the absorption? Um, I mean, I really have no problem with the rain at all watering sometimes I'm a bit jealous because sometimes when it rains the farmers generally have a little day off <laughs> the way I make the bed I, <laughs> I can still I mean I I'm not gonna describe here on the podcast but if you see then it's very easy to see uh, there's very good water filtration <laughs> very good water filtration um, and even the rain that kind of stays there on the pathway and they slowly move into the beds on the side um, I don't, I mean, the, the rain is essential in the work that I do, but if it's relating to tilling, I don't think too much about the water. Only when I, if it's, when it has rained too much, I, I have to leave it alone, like Roberto was also saying, um, because it's not good for the soil life, it's not good for my back, it's, it's uh, big problems everywhere. But generally for the rest i kind of surrender to the rain how it comes of course i we have water from a well so i use also irrigation uh, that's the most important part in in uh, the crops that i'm growing uh, will be different when i would do trees and stuff uh, or extensive crops um, but generally my work is mainly uh, organic material mm -hmm. is nurturing the soil in a very specific way I can go into very deeply and long and I'm learning a lot from that as well as I go along um, and I'm putting huge amounts of organic material within the soil yeah. and uh, and even the color starts to change uh, the smells start to change and even you know after in intensive rain you you put your hand in and it, you know it's not uh, saturated you call it no it's like it's it's like it just stays in, in perfect condition. The rain hardly washes uh, organic material away because I have the pathways very clean. So I, after the rain, I can always see. The pathways stay, stay kind of the same. So everything holds very well together with the soil aggregates and all the life forms and the roots that are growing of the plants. So I don't have much to say about the rain except please come more often. <laughs> Uh, in, 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 in a place like this, uh, in, uh, in the Mediterranean, um, yeah, but I mean, I never thought about that. I, I just start nurturing the soil and then kind of it takes care, the rest takes care of itself. Mm. Yeah. But what you're describing there isn't, you know, what we see, I think, when you drive around or you go out on a hike um, in Ibiza and you look across the land and you can see you know a lot of ploughed fields and they've been left that way I don't know how long for because they're not my fields but yeah you wonder like why why are they left that way um, and and what you know what is the makeup of the soil I mean you talked about its color just then obviously the soil here is red like what's different about you know the way the soil is in Ibiza perhaps that makes it maybe um, more fertile and responds better to tilling or what's what's your thoughts on that um. I mean it's clay soil mostly so tilling is a little bit more essential because of one of the more problematic things beside tilling because tilling is 
um, you know, I, I see tilling as uh, as using a knife, basically. And you can kill someone or you can operate someone and save a life. It's how we use it, when we use it. Mm -hmm. And if we cut too much in someone with operations, <laughs> it's also not going to help with the, the whole of the body and the healing. And for me, the intention would be that I'm in the middle. Tilling is not good or bad. It's how we use it, when we use it. And I think we always have to find a way towards where we hardly till at all or not anymore you know um, so that's that's one thing um, and again can you repeat the question sorry what's unique about the soil in Ibiza that makes it respond in different ways to maybe yeah, other so, so I think if you have a lot more uh, lime or sandy soil it's much more loose by nature in itself so I think you can work more quickly towards non-tilling um, but here with the clay, it is very, very, very difficult not to till. Mm. You know, it's uh, especially if you have no knowledge and experience. Um, I would say because the with the gravity, with the water, just the, the how the, the 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 characteristics of the clay, it compacts so much and so quickly, and it's it's even more problematic because it, when you till it like Borja was saying it oxygenates the soil the water flow increases enormously and you're gonna have generally if you do the other things well too you're gonna have a good production that year you know but every year it will get a bit less till the whole soil erodes and depletes um, so this is the thing it's a quick solution and while if you not till you know it is so hard it's like so solid there's no room for the gro uh, roots to grow like life can hardly breathe there's no water filtration so it's really hard and harsh conditions for for things to grow not only plants everything that's within the soil so it's very tempting to to till you know and uh, especially and if you do with big machinery the you know the, the quick result is quite good if you look the thing is that people don't look further than one season or two seasons, you know, and they lose a little bit sight of the, the bigger picture. You know, the Ibisenkos, as far as I know, as I've been speaking, they, they think, oh, if things grow, grow, grow well, maybe the land is empty now, it's depleted, so you have to move to a next plot. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's the opposite way of thinking in a way. And, and not all Ibisenkos, but I, I have many conversations and they love to, to till the soil here, no? Um, and in all the world, it's not only here. And uh, and I think this is also one of the things that Roberto is uh, addressing all the time. Is like because we 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 have such so much pressure to to um, to get quick results, to produce instantly. No one slows down. When you start to slow down, you start to see that actually. Um, there's a lot more attached to it. There's a lot more relationships going on that we're not aware of, and that actually, there's a, with what we do, has a lot more consequences on different levels mm. within our own life as well. So, I would say that the difficulty in the island is that it's, it, it, it's almost impossible to grow if you don't till. Mm. It's almost impossible. Or you need to have like an eight, nine, ten year plan where you start creating topsoil. So you start building from the soil up, but with, with cover crops and things, then you still need to kind of till to put it in the ground or you cut it and lay it on the ground, uh, digesting it into the mm. soil. But then it takes a long time to create a nice layer of topsoil. Mm. So if you have that time, I think it's wonderful. Uh, but most of the people don't have that. 
Um, so you need somehow to till. I think tilling is a wonderful reset tool. It's like it's really good to initiate the process. But then like we were all saying, we have to work towards a place where we hardly have to till or, or not anymore at all. And then, and I guess that with the, with the horse and with the hand, you work so much on the surface that we don't destroy the, the soil in such a profound way. Um, so that I would say you can continue to do. But even for me, uh, tilling with the hand, which is only 20, 30 centimeters deep, uh, in a lot of cases, I don't even have to do it anymore because the soil is so soft and irradiated. It's like it's like you put your hand in it, it's almost kind of, like a, kind of you you sink into it. And I just pull out the plants and I plant in between, like the forest. The leaves fall, I put in between, and it kind of always by itself. So I I, I start to say now, like the more I do it, the the better pension I have <laughs> because it's it's a lot easier work <laughs> in the end if we do well. So. Making the beds was very hard work, um, you know, to do it all by hand. And then also to move these plants back into the soil, season in, season out. This is the fourth year now. Uh, but it becomes less and less. It becomes easier and easier. And even with the raised beds, I have to bend less. So it was like the kind of sacrifice you have to make in the beginning. And then again, I, I always say like, you know, I grow the land, the land grows me in many ways, also physically. And some people pay for the gym. <laughs> I pay for massages, so I'm not that bad, you know. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, you have to switch something you're thinking, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, it's interesting. I think you know, Vicente Palamet talked about this idea of, um, you know, the way the lands were farmed traditionally decades ago, and the way that they were used in a kind of a crop rotation over four years so that was beginning with wheat and then it would be barley and then the land would be put out to pasture with animals and then the fourth year they would prepare the land for the wheat again and I think you know how and in, in the second the third year sorry that's when he was saying that you know much of the land was then plowed obviously to prepare it for the wheat to be grown again and I think I'm not you know obviously I don't have an opinion on this I'm not a farmer but I think it's interesting there's clearly you know times and places um, for ploughing and tilling to happen um, but I think it's just a kind of an interesting thing to observe you know is this a tradition for you know Spanish people is it like a you know is it something that has happened you know for years and years and years or is it something that's come in because machinery you know arrived on the scene and and you know in terms of your experience of farming in Spain specifically is that something that you've seen you know become more so over the years of working with the soil again the last part of the question is uh if in if in Spain in in have you seen, you know, people using mm. machinery more because it's obviously convenient and mm. and suitable for the kind of crop rotation idea? Or how, you know, when when mm. is tilling most suitable for the land? What's you know, what's the best time to till? Uh, it depends always on the on, on what you want to do, what you want, what you need, what the farmer need to achieve mm. with his action. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to be very clear that tilling is a tool, as you clearly said, with a, with a, like using a knife. So it's a tool that we can use with uh, animals, mm -hmm. that we can use manually. We can be very aggressive with biggest machine or even much gentle, more gentle with a, small, uh, with a smaller machine. So it's a tool itself and, and the problem is, is how we use it. This is number one. Number two, you mentioned about productivity. I would add productivity and efficiency. Mm -hmm. I mean, the excess of tilling, the excess of hurry up also that you mentioned, 
uh, in, I mean, the farmer needs to pay the rent. Mm. And yep. uh, at the end of the year, they, they have kids, they need to pay the school. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they work for uh, an economy mm-hmm. return. And uh, me, like an agronomist, I've made the reflection, like uh, we normally talk about efficiency and it makes sense, right, that I help the farmers to be more efficient, mm-hmm. even more productive. It makes sense. At the same time, at the same time, we lose what Roberto was saying, we lose this connection, this point, this artisanal way of doing. Mm-hmm. And, this, and now here we have two artisans. Uh, working uh, uh, very particularly the, the, the way you, you work with the soil and this is, this is what, what I would consider artisanal. You take your time, I mean, even make a big barrier what, on, on what's happening on productivity, efficiency. You make your life out of living, I mean, that, and that's especially big success on this way. Una, una de las cosas que, por ejemplo, en el trabajo One of the things that happens, for example, working with animals is that, for example, there are no Sundays. The priority is the system, what is being generated between humidity due to rain and drought due to the sun uh, above or else. So it is true that the farmer needs to pay the rent at the end of the month, but it is also necessary, for example, perhaps at times to work on holidays. In other words, let's say that the consequence of life as we are living is not so compatible with some concepts of productivity because I don't know if we have understood each other. In other words, you have to go to work when it's needed. It's not that that the bell rings and everyone goes home, no. For example, we are now working at night, in the afternoon, when the sun goes down, or very, very early in the morning. Mm, I mean, I think even myself, I'm not very sure why they till all this landscape. That is very common. It is very common uh, topic, right? Uh, Farmer tilling. For example, this year I take a close look when most of the tractors were tilling a little bit. It was just before the rains. There is one main reason that is very basic. If they don't till at the end of the summer, there is, it, it is they have a rock, <laughs> and they when they, when they when they want to sow the the grains, they they cannot till even because there is not extra extra powerful tractor, or maybe they don't want it even. But if the soil gets too compact in the whole summertime with the hot, it's very difficult to sow. Uh, the grain at the time, for example, if you want to make early sowing in October or even in December. So we need to think globally or globally in this perspective about uh, the whole year. And this is one of the reasons to keep the, the soil a little bit loose, but mechanically, mm-hmm. not organically and putting putting uh, fuel, mm-hmm. not uh, not uh, not putting compost. But just making the point is also for keeping the, the land that doesn't go bushy. If everything is bushes, dangerous for the fire in exactly. 10 years, 20 years, even for the paparras, for the small insects that will go to us. So it's not just for the sake of being beautiful mm. because they, they spend money. I just wanted to, to make this function. And, um, and if I can add, I mean, going to the system of less tillage or non tillage, I mean, this is very commonly talked. I'm not sure if it's a goal itself not to till. Because I mean, why do why do we need the soil to 
there is many purposes, but one of the purposes is to connect, grow plants and feed ourselves. The tilling is a tool and the approach we make to the soil is a tool, but the non-tilling itself, I find it's, it's not a goal. Mm. It's a challenge, it's a big challenge. And to make a resume, very, very few farmers are prepared in machinery, small, big or medium scale, anyway, but very few farmers are prepared for changing the whole tools they have to the, a less tilling or a non-tilling system because basically the whole things that they have it is not useful and, and they need to invest tons of money or tons of resources in a new system and which enterprise can do it uh, the enterprise of farming I mean it's it's quite hard uh, the economy of a farmer and then we have projects fundings and and we need to move forward this is not an excuse but it's to put the, the reality I think that there is a lot of funding available for using machinery. There's like subsidiaries that are being offered for using diesel and different types of fuel. So, you know, it feels like the Spanish government are almost encouraging the use of farm machinery. So it's just an interesting point because obviously long-term plan, that's, that's not, you know, it's not for the greater good. I understand the commercial factor involved in that. And obviously a farmer has got to make his living far bit from me to say anything against that, but I just feel like why do you think that this narrative is being put, perhaps pushed forward specifically by Spain? Because it's the only way that most of the farmers know how to be productive. Mm. If they don't till, the system basically stops in in more or less abrupt way. Mm. If you stop tilling, I mean, they don't have the machines to plant, to harvest, to, to do the weeds. Um, I mean, farmers cannot stop tilling like this. Mm. And... Um, Roberta, you look like you have something that you wanted to add. I want to add one back to something technique. Then we are think when we are talking about the estamos hablando de una cosa eh, antes una cosa muy importante que el el cuchillo la cuchilla ¿eh? que entra. The knife. I would like to add some something about the technique. We're talking about one thing, something very important. It is the blade that penetrates the earth. The blade that penetrates, uh, that enters the soil. One of the most important things in our job, and as well as Jewish job, is how we penetrate the soil with the blade. The subsoiler, um, now that is the name, um, uh, if we do it manually or with animals, let's say, we don't create a soil uh, on the farmland. Machines that are used at high speed, such a rotor-vator or tractor or others, create a soil, a plate under the ground, okay? And that is where all the activity stops since there is no breathing, okay? The soil is hardened. But if today we are going to ask a grandfather from Ibiza how he wants his farm, um, how he wants his farm, really, he wants to work with a tractor and other machines. That is, of course, we cannot tell him uh, that that is wrong. Um, and a grandfather at home, uh, who obviously doesn't have as many occupations as before, 
Um, and this is also a question to think about because the person wants to get on the tractor and go to work and see the field clear of wheat. They want it clean. But when they see grass, they want to remove it, although although it is super important for our crops and must be left uh, behind. It is, a, it is a super important factor. And no, we do, we do not want to remove it. Uh, one of the things we do when entering a new farm with our methods and our horses and mules uh, is to leave the grass uh, on the soil because we work uh, a lot with mules. I'm also doing a study at a general level. I can say worldwide, although we are contacting uh, the United States and Mexico and other people who can give us their opinion, I can tell you this. So when we are called to work on other farms, the first thing we do is erase the track where the tractor wheels are cut it with a plate uh, with a subsoiler. What we were talking about the, about the mules and the horses is also uh, an interesting thing because we've opened another study because the horses need um, much more water and need uh, a higher recovery time than a mule. The mule has a more the mule has a much more rustic stomach, okay? Much more rustic and the food cost is less. But the issue with the mule is that it is a much more difficult um, issue to convince it to go to work. So we are now studying creating a new hybrid. Although a mule is already a hybrid, and we are studying creating a hybrid in a study that is done uh, worldwide. Yes, we want to produce a hybrid for the new agriculture to help farmers have a reliable, strong animal that is uh, docile and also cheaper to feed that it doesn't scare the farmer in terms of food prices because, because for example, in Ibiza, there is practically uh, no hay. But fescue is the most important thing for the horse. Another thing that we have studied, for example, is the hydroponic system needed to create hay, okay? In, an, in, a, in a hydroponic environment, we can make a barley sprout that grows in barley a sprout. barley. barley sprout. We can make a barley sprout grow. We can make a barley sprout grow in a week, and we have it ready to be able to feed uh, our fellow co-workers without having to bring it by plane. And so we are avoiding a situation that is destroying the world. As the food structure, which is a problem here on Ibiza, we can solve it uh, with uh, this energetic uh, point of view in order to fit with the sprouts. 
and not only the animals, I also eat it because uh, it is a huge uh, power source and highly available. One of the important things to keep in mind is that equines are monogastrics. Um, and so what happens? They have to eat constantly so that they don't have, they don't get an ulcer in their stomach. So they need easily digestible food. Well, the mule doesn't need it. Um, a mule is not as much of a risk uh, of contracting a colic as a horse, but it needs a much more attentive and more effective trainer. This is another specific part, I think, uh, economic, because obviously here we have to talk about realities. We can just talk about uh, things lightly. We have to learn in reality. The reality, as we have discussed, is reaching the end of the month financially. So I think that uh, with the recovery of a mule breed uh, adapted and well studied, uh, we can give the farmer a fantastic tool. One day, long ago, I want to tell you this. I have always dealt with horses, um, always since I was a child. And one day with a mechanic, my motor mechanic uh, friend, we observed that inside the hood of an engine there was the acronym HP, which means horsepower. And me and my friend look at each other jokingly and also a little bit inside the engine, but we couldn't find any horses. And yes, uh, what the farmer needs is surely the power of a horse or horsepower uh, strength. That power can be through working by hand or given by animals. This, uh, this is something to rediscover. Uh, from an energy profile. And with this motivation, my wife and I and some close friends have set up a general interest foundation that studies animal energy as renew renewable energy. Because fundamentally, we, uh, if we look up uh, at this moment, we have the sun up there, but since we forget many things, we forget the sun, that is, the light of the sun. Yes, because sunlight is the energy that makes you move whatever you do. It's the solar energy that you use in big houses. So the animal is nothing else and the human is uh, nothing else than uh, a solar panel that is working with solar energy. Why are you working with solar energy? Because you and the horses eat plants. Then the biological circuit is closed. Also, as we have said, uh, in principle, when working with animals, you have to be very focused and know what you're doing. And I always say this because, um, but not because I want to insist too much. I say this because in order to use uh, animals, we must consider the animal welfare. Otherwise, we will always be criticized for using violence uh, against them. 
I have opened another study that refers to what you put in the horse mouth, the famous brittle, for example, because uh, a person from the outside sometimes gets a little violent and, put, and can pull the, a bit too much uh, out of the brittle or the horse makes a move and sometimes we use it uh, too impulsive and often very compulsive. And it is the animal that tells you how to, to handle, how to regulate uh, your compulsiveness. So if we analyze everything we are saying, we are touching many points that could serve to improve society, to improve human life. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Before we head and eat and start the q and I just want to finish um, with a little bit more of your hand work, which, you know, it's quite incredible. I haven't actually got my hand in your soil yet. Um, I feel like I'm kind of dying to after this conversation, I must admit. And I feel, yeah, I mean, how much work is that to do, you know, obviously wonderful Roberto has his horses and you know you have many different um, types of farming that you do but I feel like I'd like to hear just a little bit more before we finish and eat the produce that comes from this incredible soil how hard is it to cultivate um, good soil by hand and, and till in that way oh that's a question eh? um, because what counts for me doesn't count for everybody of course um, in your experience yeah, for me it's not so hard, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, I, I started, uh, I mean, here I started almost four years ago to make the beds, but already before I was doing it for some years, and it started little by little, you know, and, and when I came to the island, you know, when I started to do that work, I mean, Borsha has seen changing my body over time, <laughs> I was 70 kilos and now I'm 90 kilos, you know, so... Um, it's uh, you kind of what I'm trying to say with that is that I grew into it also and I took well care of my body um, which is an important thing I mean I enjoy life uh, but I you know I took a massage every week so you know I, I you know some people go to the to the mechanics or whatever I and mean, that's very important part I think um, how, fre how frequently are you working with the land with your trowel and, and all your home? I mean, now, I mean, if I'm working 100, 120 hours a week, it's mainly harvesting. It's almost 80, 85% harvesting. So for the shop, for the restaurants, uh, because that's now the situation where we're in. But I think with, I think it's two acres that we have, let's say three quarters of a hectare now. Yeah. The flower fields that we're going to do will be a, uh, a little bit more than a hectare, I think. I could do with 40 hours a week. Now that's established. Making the beds, that's another story that takes a little bit more time and nurturing the soil. But like I said, it, it gets less and less. Um, and also it keeps my heart beating, the blood flow, and keeps me young. So, and there is some parts, I mean, because when I have the tomato crops or like uh, last week, I put the sprouting broccoli that were bigger than me. You know, I put them straight back into the soil. That is maybe not for everybody. You cannot do it with the machine. You cannot do it with the horse. You can only do it manually. I mean, me and Boris have many conversations how we, it would translate to a machine because he's, he has also influence of people that making machines and trying things out. It's very interesting, uh, by the way. But how I do those very difficult parts, that's not easy to do for everybody. 
but I think in general uh, that almost everybody could do it especially start with a little garden because that's a nice thing you know I, I, I cannot do my way you cannot do 20 or 30 or 40 hectares I think oh. even Roberto will be able to do a bigger part of land because he has a horse horsepower helping him that's maybe like 20 euros <laughs> I think you know <laughs> so uh, he has that advantage but in my case what I like I mean I was last year also in Lesbos to, to set up a farm project with the refugees my intention is that what I do everybody could do at home everybody can make a raised bed everybody can nurture the organic material and this is what I really like about it and then I do it on very big scale for someone big like me but if you do it four by four meters very easy to do and you sleep good after <laughs> that's very precious you cannot pay that with money you know so even though the farmers have a lot of economic pressures and thing in life there's something you get into return you a lot of things not only the good sleep but uh, it's uh it's worthwhile doing it so I just want to make sure of that because people say like how can you do that I'm never able to do it. it's not true you know you, you, you take a few square meters at home and you do your thing mm. you know you make the raised, raised beds a very important part and you start nurturing with organic material if you're not as strong as me you do it a little bit more on the surface on the top mm. you know I can work a little bit deeper because of my body but even if you work on the top and bit by bit season in season out you know you'll see and it gives back a lot yeah. When did you? How quickly did you start to see such an increase in the biodiversity and the organic matter? Uh, our first season. I have nice pictures of that. That's one of my dreams. You know that the, the people with the farms on Ibiza, they would make uh, Instagram pictures of soil, not of uh, the plants and <laughs> the picking of the to tomatoes. I would love people making pictures of the soil and share that. No. Um, but uh, no, already the first year you see the soil aggregates forming. You see the life coming. Um, the structure of the soil changed the colors and all the insects we did uh, I think it's two months or a month ago mm -hmm. we did know it uh, what was the name again because I forgot uh, Abbey Rose Abbey Rose yeah soil yeah soil mentor and we went into the soil and it was really nice also for me I learned a lot from that because I work mm -hmm. a lot with it and we really went uh, zooming in and there was a lot of life to find and even not even within the soil it's also above like the amounts of variety and diversity in spiders that I see that, and now, or ladybugs and different kinds of birds that are here, you know, wildcats. So, I mean, it's like, it's, um, uh, it's, it's amazing how the whole environment starts to change if you just work on the soil. Mm -hmm. Because you, you put the organic material in, it starts to attract all kinds of bacteria, protozoa, fungi, parasites, you know, the, the whole thing. And you get more worms, and you get more birds, you get all the little insects, the whole thing starts to mm. grow. And it's incredible. Like, it's, uh, it's amazing. I'm surprised every year. It changed a lot. And it's just, and I never could imagine that it would go like this. I never had a predestined plan, you know. Actually, there was a, there was a lot of ego involved in, in, in making the race beds and proving people wrong. You know, that with Boris, I say, yeah, it's very difficult to do so successful next year, no? Because you just use the tractor. That was the first thing you ever said to me when we met. I've got the best soil on the island. <laughs> yeah, maybe I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Now I can you. definitely say it. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was, yeah. The proof will be in the pudding at dinner. <laughs> Let's be honest. I just wanted to put this as a small title. I, I mean, investing in machinery costs money. Yeah. But here the model has been very different. It has been investing on soil through 
salary of human being. We can say that the same amount of money that you can buy a tractor, the tool and so on, that is quite a lot of money. Mm. If you're not in a hurry, take one year, half a year, pay someone and, and make man, manual labor. It, 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 the outcome is very different, but just to compare that things are possible in this way, yeah. rather than using the whole cash at the moment instantly to have the tractor. Yeah, and what I wanted to say also, and that is a nice part again, if you go into this process of working with the soil and becoming intimate with the relationships of the land, is that, uh, you know, like I said, I, uh, my ex-girlfriend, uh, Borgia, I wanted to prove a point, you know. They say, no, it's not possible. And okay, let's do it. No? And I start to put radical amounts of organic material, kind of bluffing, not knowing what's going to come out of it. And something, you know, opened up in me. And even though, like, I think every spiritual journey, you know, we, we, we start with some egocentric <coughs> intention. Like, I want to be more happy, more concentrated, more wise. I want to, whatever, be more effective in my work but then somehow if you have good teachers along the way uh, good friendships good community um, the, then and you start to share about that and they and they they um, they point you down on those shadow parts and things and suddenly um, it starts to open up and you start to become part of something bigger and actually it's quite humbling because I can say oh I did all this but actually I didn't know it's just going on the journey with some intention and th things start to open up and it start to communicate with you and start to speak to you and you learn a lot about life in general but also about your own life your shortcomings your blockage your fears your desires it's the quiet i mean it's 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 uh i don't know it works through on so many layers and it's really from soil to soul as dino was he's not here now but he's expressing that it really works that way and he knows that he has the beautiful horses there you know, Borgia is traveling a lot to different places and he meets them every month, returning, and life is being shared. Mm. Yeah, so so you don't need to be strong to do it in my way. <laughs> I just wanted to say, to get back to the question. Mm. No. Well, I'm very much looking forward to sampling um, everything that you've been growing. I'm sure everyone else feels the same. Is there anybody that would maybe like to ask a little question while we're here, seeing as we're here? May I just pass? Hi, I just wanted to ask when you talk about the radical organic stuff that you're putting into the soil, what do you mean? To you. Uh, yeah, to me. Um, you know, it, I started a lot with uh, horse manure to make the circle around with uh, Roberto. Actually, I give your number to many people because <laughs> I have my address. Um, uh, uh, no, so I started with uh, uh, horse manure because what I like about the horse manure, it's uh, very undigested organic material. No cow is very strong, chicken, pig, and it's not about. Borja mentioned a few times. It's about improving the structure of the soil. That's the mo the rest will follow. You know, if you if you improve the if you nurture the structure of the soil, you know there's so much nutrition, there's so much life generally in the soil already. And we have to nurture that with food so it can live. If we put uh, a lot of um, cow shit and things like that, very strong, potent, I always compare with vitamin pills. And we cannot be healthy swallowing vitamin pills. It's about the fiber, it's about the diet. That becomes the, the architecture of the soil, that forms the soil aggregates together with all the life. And so, so that's one thing. So I started radically to doing that, do that. Um, Dead now everything is growing so well 
uh, that I'm putting the plant straight back in. So it doesn't matter what grows. Um, and I start to get a feeling bit by bit because a lot of people buy compost and then I, I think that compost that is already composted is already digested, is the outcome of living processes. Well, if you put the plants alive, the green plants, the uh, soft, tender, organic material with the sap stream still flowing, with all the bacteria, the fungus that are still living there, you put that straight back in, that life doesn't die when you move with the hand. Even with a tractor, it's much more aggressive as we've been speaking in the beginning. Um, but the life doesn't die, so you just put it back to the soil and maybe for some, because the plant also will be digested, some life forms will disappear, but a lot will also multiply and you know, they just change place, but in the end it adds all up to a much more complex, diverse uh, system. So, for me, the main thing to get from this is that organic material is easy, digestible, soft, green, fresh organic material. If you have a house, use all the grass clippings, you know, and straight and put back to the soil. If it's uh, leaves falling from a tree, use leaves. Even the, I mean, we can even let it go have a look. I mean, uh, the, the sprouting broccoli to put that back, there are big chunks and it's quite rough and raw, but even you, with that you can work. But for example, dried wood chips, it's good, but there's a big difference when it's fresh, green, tender, sweet, I almost want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thanks. yeah, you're welcome. Anyone else? I just wanted to ask if you can explain more of the, the raised beds. Yeah. Uh, Yuri, if you could just explain a little bit more what raised beds are. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the earth higher than the pathways. Uh, in my case, I think they're half a meter high to my knees. They're like 120 wide from the down part then because it's a it's not a pyramid but it, it kind of diagonally comes a bit it's more like that and uh yeah i, I mean just take a walk after yeah. over there you you'll see but it's a and the, the main thing is that you know the importance of race but there's many important reasons i think to make race beds but the, the main thing is that normally if you plant on the soil like one, one level the moment you plant and the moment when you weed and every time you walk back and forth in that place you compact the soil already because you're standing exactly next to where the plant roots grow so you already start to compact where the plant is well if you have a raised bed you walk here and then the plant is over there you never walk you never compact the soil where the plant is growing um, especially because the idea of the raised beds is that they stay in place and I just keep nurturing that part and then also because the organic material is not spread all over it is very concentrated in that particular place and it becomes like a like a like a, like a jungle like an amazon like a structure i mean it's like yeah yeah, yeah I, I can show you after <laughs> I, I would add i mean uh, just if we say a raised bed i mean can be a normal tillage farm that just they clean yeah. they clean the, the they clean the field and, and so on and with some kind of machine, even animals, they raise the beds, they plant. The, the, raising the beds is very traditional and we can say that as a better bed will give a better production. Because we have extra comfort of, of flowing of air, temperature, I mean the contact surface is, is, is bigger, so the temperature, the air and the water, much more easy flowing, so the roots, they don't get, uh, they don't get um, 
asphyxia didn't get uh, in the lack of oxy of oxygen good contact with temperature and this can be done uh, every time I, uh, but we are talking also here about permanent raised bed and, uh, and the way of treating this it, it, it is much more accordingly much more challenging and um, and then the rest he, he explained but I wanted to mention about the. F I mean there is very traditional to do more or less raised bed but to do it permanently and to be efficient in it, this is the challenge. Last question to, to Sasha. Uh, if one of you could have explained something without having seen it, uh, for the last six years, close to my house, which is between Santa Catarina and San Miguel, there are a number of fields, large, which are plowed once a year, but never sowed. Is there a mystery that can be clarified? Is there US is, is there EU subsidies for plowing but not for sowing? Is it a, some sort of financially based uh, decision or? I think it's just abandonment for, of the landscape. But plowed constantly, every year. Yes, beautifully. Not, not to be bushy. I mean, if you no. if you have a forest after ten years, I mean, you know, for, okay. first it will become weeds, then just aesthetic. Yeah, and then a small, a small, um, small wood, and then it will go to the pine tree, mm. and then if it, okay. everything is big on pine trees, I mean, okay. they, they make because they're just left fallow. It's like a way of yeah. minimum yeah. taking care. They yeah. take care yeah. minimum yeah. in a way. I thought maybe there are some subsidies for it. Mm. Uh. We are going to have to sit down for dindins because then um, we started a little bit late, and as much as I would love to take some more questions, I feel like um, I am going to have to draw things neatly to a close, which is very sad. Um, is there anything you wanted to add? We must be cautious and preventive uh, and we should cut the grass uh, on the sides in the main roads due to the famous cigarette butts uh, that one throws away out of the window car. Another very important thing we've talked about is the forest situation in Ibiza, that is, the forests uh, of Ibiza are made of scrub, pine and juniper. It is very difficult to find an oak or another type of tree. So these trees are very flammable. Another project that is being launched is to clean this forest, uh, but without touching the fauna, the birds, uh, the environment. Exactly, do not touch it, do not alter the environment. We are proposing this by clearing the forest uh, and removing the wood with our horses. And then what? An integral project uh, that we are studying is to introduce goats so that the goats will eat the sprouts. Then the forest will always be clean and no heavy machines will be needed. I mean, agriculture is the answer. Yeah. So we need farmers and and so that we need that this can be reliable if uh, if the land is gently farmed and and the, and the, and the outcome is appreciate, appreciated by society it will be less abandonment if i do well here i'll go on politics when i'm 60. you ring for president yeah. right thank you so much i sacrifice myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an honour to sit here tonight under a new moon in this beautiful land and thank you all so much for coming for uh, our first live episode of Amar La Tierra. It's dinner time. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
And thank you so much to these wonderful people. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.